from Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 verse 26. Jesus, not yet born, it's in the sixth month God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Father, we pray this morning that uh, what is a very familiar story to most of us uh, will become an astounding story. We pray that you will meet us here this morning and you will breathe into us the deepest meaning of why this story even happened so that we ourselves would know the living God. So we ask you to make it come alive for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can flip quickly over to what we read from Timothy. Um, I want to inspire you this morning. That's my prayer. Encourage you. Uh, but encourage you through the very um, stark uh, description of what that first uh, Christmas was like. But starting off with Paul, who was Saul. Saul was a man who used to persecute the church. And I often refer to him because he's a man who was so different before he met Jesus and he was so different after he met Jesus. And about 35, it would have been about 35, 40 years after Jesus was born, after the first Christmas, Saul was uh, persecuting uh, the early Christians and the risen Jesus met him when he was going to Damascus to persecute more Christians. And he, he fell to the ground and God said to him, what are you doing persecuting, basically? And his life was changed. He was struck blind and three days he was blind. And then he uh, was healed of that. And he was used by God to write half of this New Testament, which is a description of what God was doing among his people. And Saul himself, becoming Paul, uh, says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. And then he says this, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. 
He knew who he was. He was a man who passionately followed his intellect, passionately followed what he thought was true and was passionately wrong. And God met him and said, even though you have done this, um, I still can use you. And Paul would always talk about that. He always talked about what he knew he was without God, revealed in Jesus. He was a very religious man, so he became a lot of things in the name of religion. He believed in God. But he totally opposed what God was doing. And he is a life that is a demonstration of a God who is born in a manger, is born in lives that are a mess. A God is born in a cave outside a city because there's no room for him, is born in the lives of people who have no time for him. That's the kind of God the first Christmas reveals. It's not the kind of God that religious people want. Because religious people want a God who they can control, they can visit, and they can do good things for, give a bit of money, and sort of earn their way. And Jesus came to blow that one apart. And so Paul says, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And so as we sit here this morning, consider what would you say? Who are you? Who are you? What would you say with Paul? Because Paul could say, I was a, a blasphemer, I was passionately for religious God, and I was passionately wrong, and God met me in Jesus and I became a man who was a servant of the living God, who is not worthy to stand before you. But he humbled me and he changed me and he transformed my life. Who are you? How has the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus transformed you? What would you say? Because you cannot meet Jesus and not be changed. Believing Jesus and believing in God and believing in Jesus means nothing. Satan believes in Jesus. All the religious people believed in Jesus. They just didn't believe he was who he claimed to be and therefore they didn't bow before him. What would you say this morning? And if you can't tell the difference and you say, well, not merely much has changed, then ask him. Ask him what he would like to do in you to bring about change. Paul says, even though I was the greatest of sinners, God worked. I don't have anywhere one else to refer to other than my own life experience, but I do know that the crash of my own life publicly and before you was one of the most humiliating things I could possibly imagine. But try, but, and for seven years it imprisoned me like the stake that you talked about. But I also know I stand before you as, one of the, as more free, more forgiven and more at peace than I've ever been in my life. And I really am quite comfortable confessing my sin, acknowledging my sin, acknowledging where I have failed, 
because I am quite comfortable having received the grace and forgiveness of God the Father in Jesus. And therefore, if a human being in Port Alberni, and there are some who can't cope with that, that's their problem, it's not mine. And as Paul says, and as I would testify, if God can work in me and us, he can work in any of us, let's face it. Christianity is not about boasting about what I believe. It's about knowing that I, without him, am nothing. So I'll tell you about my nothingness in order to boast about him and his greatness. And that's good news. That's why Jesus went to a manger, into a cave, into a place of unexpected poverty. He went as low as he could go so that he could lift up those of us who as low as we could go to as high as he can be. That's the good news of Christmas. So let's go to Christmas. Let's talk about Christmas because we're all included. Mary and Joseph. I love telling the story. We all know the story, but I still find telling the story, even if I'm just talking to myself, inspires me. Mary and Joseph, these teenagers on Facebook. We're going to get married. They've chosen each other. They've worked it out. God didn't say, Mary, you've got to marry Joseph. Joseph, you've got to marry Mary. It's an arranged marriage. I've got plans for you. You do what I tell you. He didn't do that. He let them do it. They came together. They made the choice. They said, we want to get married. The folks said, that's cool. So let's prepare. And in the middle of that, God has the audacity to break in. And an angel appears to Mary. Mary is a peasant girl out of a no-place town. And he says, uh, Mary, what does he say? Mary, An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. What I want to do this morning is follow this story through and link it to our lives and encourage us to not give up. And one of the first things is if you want to encounter the living God there will be moments of terrifiedness. There will be moments when you are afraid. That's just the way it works. But God always speaks. God's voice is always the same. He always starts with, I love you. Do not be afraid. Because he knows that we're afraid. And so he always says, do not be afraid. And he says that to your spirit right now. Because I'm going to ask you the question, will you give yourselves completely to God this morning? And if I asked you to do that, and then I asked you to come up, and I asked you to say what that meant for you, there would be many of us who would go, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, 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 but. That's the afraid part. That's the afraid part. And if you're like most of us, you're hedging your bets. Yes, I'll trust, but. Yes, I'll give, but. Yes, I'll follow, but. And God came through this angel to Mary and said, Mary, he called her by name, 
Do not be afraid. And I bring you good news. And it didn't sound like good news when she first heard it. Of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born. No, I'm talking the wrong, I'm talking the wrong thing here. <laughs> Greetings to you, a highly favored. The Lord is with you. I'm saying the same thing, but the wrong passage. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Could you hear that voice over you today? You are highly favored. And God is with you. Let that sink into your spirit. You, called by name, are highly favored. And God is with you. Some of us will go like that because you go, if you know my name and I'm highly favored, you're going to want something from me. But whatever your posture is, God's coming to you this morning and says, you are highly favored. And like us, Mary said, um, was greatly troubled. And wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And so the angel said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And then it's, you will be with child. And give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And what does he do? What does she do? How does she respond? She doesn't have a clue what he's talking about probably. Or vaguely says this is big. And she says, how will this be? I'm a virgin. Nobody has ever, 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 ever given birth to a baby without a man. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And even Elizabeth, your aunt, will have a baby. And she's old. You didn't expect that either. So Mary and Joseph are planning a a wedding and God interrupts them as we've talked about before. What uh, is going on in your life right now? Might God interrupt? Might God want to do things with you, through you, in you? I wouldn't be surprised. Do you want him to? There's going to be a question we need to understand. The question ultimately at the end of our lives, and this is not a fearful thing, it's just what's going to happen probably. At the end of our lives, God is going to be saying, so how have we done with this life that you had? And we might reel off a whole lot of stuff and he might say, that was cool, wasn't it? But uh, you never ever asked me what I wanted for you. All you wanted me to do is give you a happy life, look after your circumstances, heal the sick in your life. It was all about you. All you ever wanted was stuff for yourself. You wanted me to keep your life happy so that you could live comfortably. 
And you thought that the whole purpose of your life was that. And I, let me show you what I had in mind for you. And all of us will weep because none of us will fulfill what God has over our lives. But I want to say this because I'm profoundly impacted by this as I was reflecting on this. What we're talking about this morning is that God has come upon every single person in this room. Every single person in this room, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you are pregnant. What are you going to do with that? Mary responded with absolute bewilderment. Said, I, how, how, how does this happen? And she has to come to terms with the fact that God, the creator of the world, the universe, creates all human beings. He says, do you really think it's that difficult for me to make you pregnant? I made you. I know how it works. I make barren women have children. I make infertile men be fertile. I create the things. I do it. It's what I do. I don't often do it this way, but this, I need a human being so that I can be born through the human race into the human dilemma in order that a savior can rescue them from the place they are in. I need somebody to say yes to me, even if they don't understand. And it hasn't changed. God is still breathing over the earth, breathing over this group right now, saying, I need people who I can impregnate with things that will bring glory to me. I need people who will let me interrupt their lives. I need people who will hold their lives lightly. I need people who know that life is more than just what they have. I need people who are going, Lord, use me. Please use me. Please let my life, with all its brokenness and all its imperfections, please let it be pregnant with you. And please birth in me things that I don't even understand, but will honor you. And Mary, in her humble way, and I think not very spiritual as she's made out to be now, just said, I guess, yes, I guess so. After Jesus was resurrected, you remember, he said to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He says, you can't go out and work with me and, so, and, and be my representative without the Holy Spirit coming upon you. The Holy Spirit needs to birth in you what you can't do yourself. It's how God works. And 12 men and women, 12 men and then a bunch of other disciples waited in Jerusalem to get pregnant. They didn't know that. They wouldn't use those words. But God was saying, what I have for you to do is supernatural. I mean, look at Christmas. Everything about Christmas is supernatural. Angels appear. A baby is conceived and born. There's a lot of supernatural going on. Now, there's a lot of supernatural going on on one level. 
on the human level there's a lot of pain and suffering and struggle going on and that's where the encouragement comes and that's where I want to just sort of uh, take us in the next few minutes if God's spirit comes on Mary and says I will do in you something that is impossible for you to comprehend and he says to his disciples I will release in you a power that you don't comprehend perhaps God says to you and to me I can do in you what you cannot do yourself it is beyond your comprehension will you let me Mary had to say yes to to God before she understood what was going to happen. And God did not say, the angel did not say to, by the way, when you give birth to this boy, all hell is going to break loose. When you give birth to this boy, you're going to rock him to sleep with the cries of wailing mothers in your ears because Herod killed babies because he was afraid of the king who was born and it's going to be your baby that they have had to lose their baby because of there was a lot of blood and violence around the birth of Jesus the first Christmas there was violence because human beings do not like a king being born I don't want the living God in my backyard It's fine if he's born somewhere else, but not in my backyard. Don't let him come to me and start telling me how to run my life. But that's Christmas. Christmas is God coming to you, whether you like it or not, and saying, I am God. We either talk now, or we'll talk when you're dead, but we will talk. And you are going to give an account for your life. as sure as gravity is falling to the ground, if you think that life is all about you and what you can accumulate, I promise you I've taken a lot of funerals, nobody takes anything with them. They're in a box or a jar and off they go to a hole in the ground. And the kids spend the booty. But Christmas is about a God who says, I love you enough to arrest you. That's why it's good news. But for Herod, it was not good news. Because a king who rules the roost does not like the thought of another king who's going to come and usurp him. Who's king in your life? I wasn't even expecting to go here. This is too unfriendly. I don't like this part. Who's king in your life? Are you Herod? Or are you Mary? before God this morning do you keep him away on your terms or do you say I'm your humble servant that's Christmas a God who comes and his Holy Spirit comes over and says I will do in you what is impossible and that is very cool because every time I come to something you know, they said nothing is impossible for God And my response is, everything is impossible for me. And we live out of the everything is impossible side. And so God is powerless. So, quickly, because time is running along here. Let me talk about pregnancy. 
because I know a lot about it. I've interviewed people and asked them. And <laughs> pregnancy. Okay, hang with me. Pregnancy. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. In other words, you say, Jesus, please be in my life. I want to follow you. As far as I know what that means today, and usually I'm blissfully unaware of what it means, that's fine, that's normal. The Holy Spirit comes upon me, and it's not just when I first became a Christian, for instance. Right now, what's going on in your life? And you go, the Holy Spirit is upon you. You're pregnant with something. You might have multiple pregnancies. They might be working at the same time. So what happens if you go, thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit is in me birthing things? How long is pregnancy? Nine months usually. It's a process. It takes time. Where where is this encouraging? Anticipate pregnancy and you will be able to make it through with God working in you. What's the first sign of pregnancy? One of the first signs. I don't want to get too technical here because I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. But getting sick, right? Guess what? Guess what? You ask God to work in your life, you stand up and say, Lord, I want you to really help me with this thing. I want to be this for you. And you'll get sick. You'll get discouraged. Something will happen. You'll get sick. And you say, it doesn't feel right. I'm getting fit. I feel sick. I feel awful. That's probably God. And some of us have been bailing out on God because we've had morning sickness. Every time we've asked him for something, we get morning sickness and we think, it's the devil. And he goes, no, it's just part of the process. Get sick. It'll pass. The vast majority of us live by our emotions and we get stuck. We never see God bring us through to full term. There's a commitment required. In our culture, I don't want to mention it, but I have to. There's a lot of abortion in the Christian kingdom. I change my mind and decide I don't want it anymore. And it's very sophisticated in the Christian kingdom because I just say I don't want it and I walk away and it's aborted. And I say, God doesn't do anything. And he says, I cannot because you won't, you won't hold it within you. Something else about pregnancy. What did God say with Mary? He says, your, 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 your aunt Elizabeth is pregnant. And she goes and visits her and finds she's five months, six months pregnant. When God is birthing things in you, you need the company of other people. He will confirm it through other people. There are way too many people who are wanting God to work privately in them and they announce what God's doing, but it's not actually happening in a healthy way, so it never gets really properly born or goes through because they don't want to talk about it. But when God is working authentically in our lives, he will give us other people who refer, can, we can refer to and he says, yes, that's true. I affirm that. Let's, let's keep that going. God has things in your life that he's wanting to birth that he's busy birthing. Some of you are going through morning sickness and you're getting discouraged. And he wants you to know this morning, don't be discouraged. If it's only been two or three months and you've been wrestling with something, make sure you have somebody else involved, two or three other people, preferably not the same people you've shared everything in your life with for the last 30 years because that kind of gets enabling and counterproductive. 
But I want to encourage you. God has, I promise you this, absolutely as sure as I'm standing here, God has got stuff in you that he's wanting to birth and release. Every single person here. For some it's new life. For some it's a gift of the Spirit. For some it's, I want, you to, I want to release you in another area. And if you want to know what those areas are, just slow down and listen to your dreams. Start listening to what, if you could, what does God, what, what would you like to do? Now I'm not talking about, I just want to spend all my time feeding myself, because that's, that's Satan birthing stuff in you. And you can go that route if you want, but it tends to get very selfish and very introverted. I guess I can summarize it in saying that uh, this whole birth process has its ups and downs. And as God is working out his purposes in you and me, it has ups and downs. And we just have to stay pregnant. We have to stay with it. I mean, it's amazing to think we've only been in this building three months. It feels like three years already. So if we're pregnant in this building, we've still got six months to go. Which is encouraging to me because there's been quite a lot of morning sickness around here. But it helps give perspective. And it helps say, Lord, we're going to hang in with this. We're going to press through. We're going to stay pregnant with this. Even though it's challenging. And there are other things that uh, people will have in their lives of what God is wanting to do and release. And you have morning sickness on one end and then you have the pain of birth on the other. And Mary and Joseph, a census came up and uh, they had to go to Bethlehem. What do you think Mary's prayer was? I'm going to be the mother of God Almighty. Book me into the finest hotel in Nazareth and I'm going to have a beautiful birth. This is the mother of Jesus. God the Father doesn't seem to Pay attention to that. A census is called and a nine-month, eight-and-a-half-month pregnant woman rides on the back of a donkey miles and miles and miles to Bethlehem, the mother of Jesus, the mother of God. This is your will, God? For some of us, and I think there are quite a lot here, there's some of us, a lot of us here, where God is bringing us to term. And the last thing we expected was that the term at the end would be hard. And God would be expecting us to ride to Bethlehem on the back of a donkey, where we're full of discomfort. And I really believe God wants to encourage us, because I think discomfort and disillusionment is really, really a problem for us. And as we pray as a church for him to release his power and his presence among us, we have to learn how to endure through the discomfort, through the struggle. We have to learn to hang in there, both personally and corporately. Because the last period of Mary's pregnancy was challenging. And she rides up to Bethlehem and her prayer probably is, please let there be a place to stay and there's nowhere to stay. And eventually they find this cave. And I bet you her prayer is, please God, let us get back to Nazareth. And she gives birth in a manger. 
and the Son of God is born amongst hay and donkeys and cows and an inexperienced, I mean, a, a father who's never done this before. It's all out of their depth. So Lord, what are you saying to us? Maybe it's as simple as this, that there's an incredible miracle of the first Christmas. An incredible miracle. God doing something amazingly unexpected. But if you looked at the circumstances, you wouldn't imagine anything would have happened. It didn't look like God. And maybe the encouraging word for us is to consider our circumstances and not let them be what determines how we live or respond to God. Don't let your experience, don't let your circumstances lie to you and you believe that because of your circumstances, either because they're good or because they're bad, they are an indication of God's love for you. They're just circumstances. And so this Christmas... I pray that we will be able to share uh, with one another and with God the willingness of Mary to say, here I am. And to take whatever circumstances there are around us or in us that we are wrestling with and hear God saying, nothing is impossible for me. Let me continue the process that I'm taking you through. Trust him with that process. Don't let the discouragements discourage you too much. But anticipate a birth that will bring great joy. Let's stand and ask him to do that in our hearts and spirits. Father, just pray right now that your spirit will speak to our hearts about our responses to you this morning. And what God's Spirit does is reveal to us our hearts. And He's not, uh, He knows our hearts. And what's He saying to you right now? For some of us, He's saying, Can I? come into your life and into your heart in a deeper way? Is there room for me in the inn that is your heart this morning? There's only two ways you answer that. That's yes or no. You either get pregnant or you don't get pregnant. And there are moments in our lives where God does speak to us like that. He says, may I, will you or won't you? For others of us, we are discouraged or we said yes and nothing seems to have changed. And he wants to say to you this morning, hang in there. I love you. I'm with you. Let's see this thing through. And for some of us, our circumstances are overwhelming.
and our circumstances cause us to say, God, you can't be around because you wouldn't let this happen. And he says, well, look what happened to my mother. It's not because I want to cause discomfort. It's not because of me not loving you. Just life is life. And I'm trying to work in the midst of life. And what I'm really asking in this group today is, do I have people who will give me room in their hearts? Will you give me more room that I might release in you the things that will transform this world? And people will begin to look at your life and say, I know who you are. You're like Paul. You were this and you were that, but now you are this and that. And there must be a God because of what I see in you and through you. And so I invite you to share with me when I say, Lord, I just offer you my life. I offer you the incompleteness of it. I offer you the brokenness of it. I offer you the parts of it that rebel against you. I offer you the parts that want to sing for you and dance for you. I offer it all to you. I thank you for the parts that, that you've worked in already. I bless you for that. And I give you with trepidation, perhaps, the rest of my life. I'm scared of giving you control, Lord, but I offer it to you. And I pray that you will release and continue to birth in me the things that will bring pleasure to you. So Holy Spirit, I, I welcome you. And I thank you for what you are still going to do in me and through me. In Jesus' name. Amen. As we break bread together this morning, maybe we can think about this. Maybe we can come before the Lord and just say, Lord, as I take this bread and wine, will you indeed... Uh, nurture within me those things that will bring life. Amen.